He's won six high school football championships in the last eight seasons that he's coached at that level, including this past season at Owasso High School in Oklahoma. Between the third and fourth titles, one at Union High School in Tulsa in 2005 and the other at Fayetteville High School in Arkansas 11 years later, he was also the head coach at Tulsa University, where his team won 11 games in 2012, and he was named the Conference Coach of the Year. With all that success, Bill Blankenship also beat cancer, quit a successful program after winning the third state title in four years without a job waiting, and was also unceremoniously fired just two seasons at Tulsa after that 11-win season. Bill Blankenship's story is one of allowing God to move him in his life, and every community he lands in is better for it. My conversation with Bill here on Suit Up is up next. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the Park. We're a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m. and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them and our kids age 1 to 5th grade have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike or check us out on the web at parkplaza.org. Bill, born in Spyro, Oklahoma in 1956. Tell us about Spyro, Oklahoma in the 50s and 60s. Oh, we're probably close to Mayberry, you know. I mean, that's a, a small town, Oklahoma, on the Arkansas border, uh, technically born in Fort Smith, uh, 20 miles away, and uh, living in Spyro. My dad was the coach uh, at the school. My mom was an English teacher. Uh, I always kind of enlighten folks in today's world when I say dad was the coach in those days. He was the coach. I mean, he coached – he was head football coach, boys basketball, girls basketball, you know, all the way down through junior high. If it could be thrown or kicked or hit or shot or whatever, that was the way it was in our family. I was the middle of three boys, and so we were a testosterone-driven, uh, ball-playing, you know, bunch of kids. And mom couldn't have anything nice in the house? No, not at all. And she – she was definitely a, a boy's mom. I mean, she she had been a pretty good athlete to hear her tell the stories, but uh, she wanted us to have some culture and some, uh, you know, learn how to act and to speak and to do all those kind of things. And so I'm very thankful for that. Well, and they did quite well. Well, she would she would take pride in the fact <laughs> that we were actually doing something with public speaking, you know, of some sort. And I know living in up and uh, growing up in that kind of household because mm-hmm. I too was one of three brothers um all right so dad's a coach uh mom Mm -hmm. is is digging athletics as well so 
I guess it was just natural for all three brothers to to play whatever was in season. Yeah, I, it really was. I mean, we I don't remember anybody ever trying to get us to do it. I think we just wanted to hang out with dad and um, you know, a small especially small town, you'd uh, get out of school in grade school and walk over to the gym if he was coaching basketball or to the football field and we'd just hang out and ride the bus and do all those kind of things until it was time. I always wanted to play and didn't know any better. And so um, I think all three of us were just driven to do that. And, um, you know, my oldest brother uh, went to Harvard and mom was very proud of that, as was dad as well. But he was a quarterback at Harvard. Um, I wound up getting a chance to go to the University of Tulsa. And uh, my little brother came to to Tulsa as well. And so two of us stayed a little closer. And uh, Rex was a Ivy League boy. Now, was the younger a quarterback as well? No. Well, he was in high school. Okay. And uh, he actually played defensive end at, at Tulsa. So um, he thinks he was the best quarterback of all. But, uh, you know, we <laughs> we eventually – I think being being the, the youngest, you have to learn to fight your way through everything. And mm-hmm. so he, he, much like my own son, has a, a little more of that defensive bent to him. Yeah. So what about other sports growing up? You obviously played them. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you gravitate towards football? And what other sports did you play? And what, how good were you? Well, um, I loved basketball. Played basketball all through high school. Um, I pl- played baseball up through junior high. And then there was a, a short time in Spyro that we didn't have American Legion ball. And uh, so I didn't play late in my high school career until my senior year. And it was one of the greatest summer of my life. But I went over to Poto, which was just one of the neighboring towns, had some friends on the team and got to play Legion ball with some friends uh, over there. And um, the I think the whole football thing was just because I got recruited and gave me a chance to play at the next level. And uh, I think if you'd let me do what I wanted to do, I thought I was sure. You know, I thought I was Larry Bird. You know, I should be able to play <laughs> basketball my whole life. Which is interesting because you guys were in college about the same yeah, time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I watched uh, Larry Bird. In fact, a, a teammate of mine was playing basketball at the time, and and he takes great pride in uh, Illinois State had come in and or yeah, Illinois State, Indiana, State. Indiana State. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, you know, he tells people he held Larry Bird uh, like four points under his average that night. I think the guy only scored 36. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know who you're talking about, and, and I've heard that same story. Um, all right, so uh, football at the University of Tulsa. Um, when did Angie come into the picture? <laughs> Good story. Uh, Angie's a Navy brat. But her dad was from Spyro, and so he retired, and uh, they moved back there where he grew up when she was in the seventh grade. So we actually dated some in high school, kind of, you know, split up and went our separate ways. She's a Northeastern State grad, and I came to Tulsa, and... Um, you know, I had to go back and reel her in, though. I, I had to find some reason for her to say yes, and so eventually got her to. Now, one of the things that I've always admired about you, Bill, is um, how you have um, openly shared your faith mm. and, uh, with people um, wherever you've been. And it seems like most of the time, most people that I've met who have done that uh, when they get, you know, into their you know, 50s and older, you can look back and go, well, there was a pretty strong foundation mm-hmm. built at home. Yep. Did you did you grow up in a Christian home? I did. Um, 
mom and dad were um i mean just really committed to to christ in their church and so i grew up in church and when i say that i mean literally if if there was a service going on 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 sunday sunday night wednesday we were there that's just what you did small town and and dad was a deacon and uh, mom taught sunday school and the whole thing and so uh but i do you know they they taught us well but there's things that influence you you know and i still remember watching my dad write a check regularly once a month to the church and it was the biggest check I ever saw him write for anything. Mm-hmm. And not that that was, but it just influenced me early that, that they were givers and they were committed to that. And so, you know, I don't know that I realized it at the time, but I think that was a big influence on me as I, as I continued to move forward uh, and get jobs and all that to realize that, uh, you know, if that was a big deal to my mom and dad, it probably ought to be a big deal to me too. Your faith would really be tested a couple of different times as you mm-hmm. went in uh, to adulthood. And before we get to those, though, I do want to go back to Angie. Mm-hmm. And um, when did you get married and, and when did you start a family? We were um, three years out of, out of high school and got engaged, or two years out of high school, got engaged, and then married when we were both 21. Uh, I still had another year and a half or so to play. I, I stretched my college uh, days into five years. <laughs> she got or she got uh, her degree in three and a half. And so uh, she was as she would remind everybody, she was working while I was still playing. <laughs> and so uh, we we got married pretty early, I guess. And um, uh, that was in 78. And so we were married about three years, two years, and then Josh came along in 1980, and slowly but surely we built up to, to three boys, and uh, you know it seemed to be a trend. My dad had three, and mm-hmm. uh, now I had three. So coaching comes into play mm-hmm. uh, right out of your playing days at at TU. Uh, how long before you take your first coaching job? Well, I actually, due to some influences in my life that I was very glad came along uh i went to work for the fellowship christian athletes for three years and uh, right out of college and, and did that and had an opportunity to really work in mostly northeastern oklahoma but uh throughout the state and then got a chance uh, an old teammate of mine uh bob bartz was an attorney in town and he was on the school board at eastwood baptist and called me and said uh you know, they were looking for a football coach, and did you ever think you might want to do that? And so in a complete – I think it's just completely weird how all this happens. My first ever job's head coaching job at Eastwood, and I, I couldn't figure out why they waited so long, you know, because I, I had quite confident – a lot of confidence in myself – and now, that, where uh, is that? Well, it used to be over on – well, Eastwood Baptist Church is on 11th Street okay. over on the east side of town. Okay. And it was a huge church, and they had a high school. And it actually is the beginnings of how Metro Christian came about okay. because there was a, a split in the school, and, and a bunch of folks came over and started what became Metro. And uh, they were still trying to piece things together at, at Eastwood and – um, they hired a, a young guy that had 
played quarterback at Tulsa, and I guess I wanted to coach, and I wasn't very good at it. We won two games the first year, and I, I tell people we won three the second year if you get to count the forfeit. And so I count the forfeit because I, I don't want my resume looking like I can't improve this thing. So uh, it was pretty wild. So then how did you land at Spyro as the head football coach? Well, all right. So I, I worked two years. And the interesting thing, Kevin, is that um, clearly – I, I don't know how to explain it other than just to tell you my heart was God had really shown me that coaching was what he had made me to do. And I just was loving this deal. And we weren't even successful. And the school closed down. And so now I think this is typical in our life spiritually. About the time you think you got to here comes some adversity and see if you can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I had to go find a job. And short version is I get on at Sepulpa as an assistant coach to a guy named Steve Spavital, who was in his first job <laughs> as a as a head coach. And we didn't know each other, but he gave me a chance to come in and coach with him. And it start, struck up a friendship that's still going on today. Um after a year, the job in my hometown opened up in Spyro, and I called the superintendent and asked him if he'd give me a chance, if he, you know, I thought I'd be uh, the guy, and I've been coaching three years. And he said, well, I think you need a little more experience. I think you got a chance to be a really good coach. And I said, you know, I, I really think I'm the guy now. And he said, well, I, I think you need more experience. I said, Dad, I really want the job. <laughs> and I have to talk my dad into hiring me, but I did. And amazingly, when I think back in, in today's world of uh, Twitterverse and uh, Facebook and Snap and all, everything goes on, can you imagine what would have happened to the superintendent of schools for hiring his son mm-hmm. to be the head football coach had been coaching three years, and two of those were completely losing records? Yeah. And yet he gave me a chance, and fortunately, we did a pretty good job. and. Uh, over a course of four years, we got that team to go to a state championship. We didn't win it, but yeah. uh, we got it going pretty good. While things were going pretty good for you there, things really turned for you mm. uh, in a bad way yeah. off the field. Uh, just in your 30s, family is is pretty new. You got three boys, but they're all under the age of eight. And all of a sudden, here comes cancer. Yep. Uh, completely out of the blue. Uh, get diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, actually came to Tulsa for, for chemo treatments, a um, couple of surgeries. Um, I, people would tell you in, in the cancer world, I probably got a pretty good draw. I mean, this is something they do have a, a pretty good uh, rate of success with if we catch it early. Um, I'm not sure that meant a whole lot to my wife or my mom or my dad or people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I realized pretty quickly was it probably wasn't as – it was a lot harder on everybody else than it was me. Now, it was still hard on me, don't get me wrong, but I was too busy trying to get well yeah. that I didn't – you know, not to think about all of the things that could happen with three young kids at home and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But very, very thankful and sometimes a little – mystified why God would choose to to heal me and to give me a chance to have the kind of life I've had. Uh, two years later, I get a job at Edmond. And again, the short version is I have a young man gets diagnosed with the same cancer I had. Uh, I get to be with him, go through the treatments and all that. We got really, really close. Um, he had to have a bone marrow transplant and didn't survive. 
And so, you know, I've really struggled with, you know, the fact that that, you know, how does this stuff work, you know, where we both have the same disease. Mm -hmm. uh, God chooses to keep me around and this 16 year old doesn't. He doesn't. Right. And so that's hard. Uh, but I, I think over time, God's allowed some of these things to be used if I'm willing to, to share it. And, you know, I am a cancer survivor. I, I can talk to people about what it's like to go through chemo and, uh, you know, have those diagnoses. And, uh, you know, you just try to be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and I appreciate the fact that you have seen that in your life and mm -hmm. you've taken the challenge on. Yeah. To it, a lot of times it reminds me of the very end of Saving Private Ryan. You know when um, the character played by Tom mm -hmm. Hanks tells you know the the Private Ryan earn it right. You know right. go out and prove that you deserved yeah. to survive. Yeah. And I think that that's what you're saying here. Well, it is, and and, and I mean survivor guilt is real. Mm -hmm. I mean I, I'm not trying to. I mean it's been a long time for me, but. You know, when Jeff passed, I mean, that was hard. But, um, you know, I do think that over and over, God just continues to show you that he's got this incredible plan, you know, that you get to be a part of in some small way. And so uh, just try to keep plugging away. You talked about uh, your stint at Edmund Memorial High School mm -hmm. in the early 90s. And that would lead you uh, yeah. to Tulsa yeah. uh, in a long uh, mm -hmm. and and very successful career as the head football coach uh, at Union and also uh, athletic director mm -hmm. uh, as well. Yeah, it was one of those things where uh, you, you kind of bounce around and, and uh, how in the world the door opens and I'm able to get to, to Union. Um, I mean, the resume is not there. You know, the the opportunity but just getting to know some people and getting a chance uh you know one of our friends doc blevins always claims that he prayed me into there uh and so i'll, I'll and i believe it i'll give him credit for that absolutely but uh union was an awesome place for us we got to raise our family there i was there 14 seasons and um you know we uh gradually slowly uh got the program uh, over the hump and, and uh, you know, had a lot of losses in state championship games early and then found a way to win some of them at the end. And got to coach your boys. Yes, I did. And I, I don't take that for granted. I think that's uh, – uh, two. you know, in, it, people that get to take their kids to work, you know, you get to watch them work with you, um, you know, I, I I think that's a pretty good joy that you get to have, and so getting to do that, you know, through their co college or through their high school days was pretty special. And I, I know when my dad he he just coached us in in uh, like elementary school uh, football, but I know that there was, and I also coached my son mm -hmm. not in high school but in other sports, and the, and it sometimes can be a little bit tricky because mm -hmm. while you want your son to maybe not be the best athlete on the court or on the field you want them to be the one that hustles the most mm -hmm. and the one that that is first in line and and tries to finish first and all of those mm -hmm. things it can be a little bit tricky in that regard when you're coaching your own kids it can be and uh, it was for me when i first started uh, i was so 
cautious because I didn't want to be the the dad that was giving his son the breaks. And so I probably went too far the other way. Josh was a freshman, and he'd moved up. And uh, we were talking about Coach Spav a few minutes ago, and um, I'd been coaching him hard, and I'd been having high expectations, and I'd probably yelled at him quite a bit. And uh, he got me in the office one day, and he says – he said, you know, you're a pretty good quarterback coach. And I said, I know, you know, because I felt like I was. And because I, you know, I'd had a pretty good run of quarterbacks there. And he goes, yeah. He said, why are you coaching Josh different than you did all those other ones? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's going, I never heard you yell at Justin Fuente like that. I never heard you yell at, you know, Sherrod Poteet like that. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> and so he kind of reeled me in and it kind of got my attention to try to do a better job of coaching him well, yeah. but I didn't need to make it harder on him than it should have been. And yeah. so I was able to enjoy his last couple of years more than I did his first couple. So we actually met in uh, 2005, mm-hmm. your last year mm-hmm. at Union. I moved to Tulsa. I became the play-by-play voice for the Redskins on KRMG. And um, so that was a blessing for me to get our -hmm. relationship started. And and then it would be the next year when I would become the Mm -hmm. program director of the sports animal here in Tulsa. And you made one of the boldest moves I've ever seen Mm -hmm. a man make professionally uh, and that is to just decide, you know what? I want to be a college coach. I believe that's, and I believe that that is what you believed because mm-hmm. I, I know you as a prayerful man. And as we've gone through this conversation, you've kind of let it be known that at an early age, you were looking for guidance from God in a mm-hmm. lot of directions. So um, I know that that you had laid this out based on your feeling from God that the only way I'm going to get a job is to quit coaching mm-hmm. at Union. And that was a huge leap of faith. Well, there's some practical sides to it. And then there was the faith side. But in in practicality, I was at what I thought was the very best program in the state. And I thought with along with that might make me a little bit untouchable by people that didn't know I was willing to leave that place. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd looked at a couple of other opportunities uh, over the previous four or five years, and the timing had been wrong. Uh, what were some of those? Can you, can well, you tell us? Well, my, my buddy Denver Johnson had offered me a spot at Illinois State, uh, and I still – Adam hadn't graduated, and I just couldn't quite get you know through of, of not being a part of that. Uh, my son uh, Josh was had just gotten into high school, and uh, Dave Rader had an opening at Tulsa, and it was just, you know, did I? This just the timing wasn't right, yeah. and so there were things like that that had happened, and I had there'd been enough of them that I just kind of put it on the shelf and thought, well, this is probably never going to happen, and um, it was early in the year two in '05, and Angie and I were. You know, I was doing the shave and brush your teeth thing, and she's over in her deal getting the makeup, and we're getting ready for school. And I have no idea what the conversation was, but she gave me one of those, I don't know, maybe it's just time. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she said, well, maybe, maybe your time at Union's coming to an end. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, well, maybe we ought to be praying about it. 
And I'm like, it was kind of like Rocky and Adrian saying, you can go fight. And, you know, ding, 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 ding. It's yeah. like the bells went off. Yeah. But we did. We just committed to start putting some time into prayer of if you're not going to retire at Union. And at the time, I'm just barely not even 50. And I couldn't see myself this being my last job. Well, what would I leave for? And so we just began to pray and see if that was um, – you know, if it was going to be the right time. And, man, and thankfully she documented this, and we've got, you know, that we can share it with our kids and family. But, you know, just one thing after another, God just began to show us. And, uh, you know, the first – the first we were just reading through the Bible. So there wasn't a, a – but we're in um, the Old Testament, and the, the very first week that we're reading and saying we're going to pray about it, the first verse is – uh, you've been on this mountain too long. It's time to break camp in advance. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> was that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to just take a just take a verse out and say, well, that's it, you right, know. Right. But you're going okay. Well, then you start adding next week and the next week and the next week, and there were just all kinds of things happened that I don't think I've ever been more confident, Kevin, in a in a decision that seemed pretty wild. Uh, but we were absolutely, the two of us, convinced that God had led us to know that it was time to leave and not sure what was going to open, uh, but we thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when, you know, you, you talk about faith, and, and I remember somebody in the press conference when I got hired at TU, they're like, well, what a, a deal of faith. And I said, let me tell you about faith. It works a whole lot better when you look backwards than it does going <laughs> forward because – I mean, when you don't have a job, when you're, you know, and you're just like, man. Well, there were some you know. paychecks that oh, were absolutely, being <laughs> and it just wasn't an easy process, but it was sure rewarding because it the it just caused you to lean into God even more, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a wild way. And you know this, but you became a big part of that. In a, uh, I had a season that I wasn't going to have a job, um, and. That was the beginning of the sports animal, and I got to do a little part-time gig up here, and it gave me something to do and kind of kept me connected to the sports world a little bit. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was fun to be part of that that inaugural season. And and now, of course, we're not done with the build-out, but you see – what the sports animal is becoming now. Oh, it's amazing. It is. It's been a great transformation over the years. So, so you get the head coaching job at, at uh, I'm sorry, you become an assistant uh-huh. at TU and then become the head coach just right. a few seasons later. But w- tell me about taking the job as an assistant. Is mm-hmm. that something that you initially wanted to do that you thought, well, I'm, I'm going to get yeah. into D1 coaching. I might have to start out. Oh yeah. I didn't have a problem with that at all. I okay. was excited to see. I'd been a head coach of the 23 years that I'd been coaching high school ball, I'd been the head coach 22 of those. Only been assistant one time. Mm-hmm. And I had grown into uh, having other people getting to coach my quarterbacks. I started letting my own son coach them. And uh, I was – the thing that I, I had become the athletic director, I had lots of administrative duties and things that were in some ways kind of sucking the life out of, out of the fun part of being a coach. And I would I look forward to a chance to have my own little small group of guys and uh, get to 
you know, get to coach them. And Todd Graham gave me a chance to be the receiver coach uh, first year, and um, I just loved it. And then a year later, I got to be the – I got the duties of being special teams coordinator, and that was even better because now I'm getting to – I'm getting to – invest in some offensive guys and defensive guys and i just got to build relationships across the team and it was pretty special now i missed calling plays and missed being in charge and all those kind of things as time went on but those first two or three four years i was an assistant for four uh for three years at least it was exactly what i needed to do because it really recharged my batteries and gave me some new insights on a lot of things that, that I could do better. And and I guess ultimately help prepare you to be the head coach. I think so, yeah. You got to see everything that was going on around yeah. you and and uh so you knew what you were gonna be getting into right. as opposed to jumping into it from, you know, high school Correct. In, into college. So let's talk about that. Okay. Um um, you're you're the head coach until 2014, mm-hmm. and uh, the the team's record had had slipped yep. uh, in the last two years, uh, going uh, three and nine in 2013 and two and ten in 2014. Can you tell us? And I don't want to know the details about your being let go, but really about how you really leaned on the Lord to mm-hmm. get you through the firing. I think the the hard part in some ways is we had had success early. We'd had two really good years. We'd won 11 games in the Liberty Bowl and the conference championship and, you know, conference coach of the year and all that kind of stuff that I knew better than to to take – too much of that but you that feels pretty good you know you get to be you know you, you kind of get to be the big man around town and and enjoy that moment and then we don't win the next year which was a real shock um but i thought sure we would turn it the second year and we just man we had everything that ju- it just wouldn't happen and i this was my school you know as my alma mater um, I'm a letterman. I'd played there. I'd, you know, gone to school there. Um, that's not a reason for somebody to get to to keep you. But I'm just saying, I love that place. Mm-hmm. I was passionate about it. Nobody would work harder at it than I would. Um, and I, th- we were going through some hard times at the school. Um, I just didn't really think they were going to let me go. I really didn't. I, I thought, man, there. You know, I know that there's people chirping out there. There's always going to be, but I just didn't think it would happen with the success we'd had two years before, and it just didn't. And so it kind of came a little bit out of left field for me. It shouldn't have because that's the business of college football. But I think emotionally it, it jarred me pretty good. And um, I, I think – Anybody that's been through getting fired or getting uh, let you know moved on or any of that kind of stuff knows what I'm talking about. When you you know your feelings are hurt. I mean your pride's hurt. Uh, I was very thankful Justin Fuente, who had played for me before, was the head coach at Memphis. 
And he's like, Coach, get out of Tulsa. Come over here and, and come help us. We're going to get ready for a bowl game. And then later that next year, he let me come and actually work on his staff. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some healing that came along with that of just getting to plug in and get on. And I didn't think I would ever coach high school again. I, I hadn't thought about it. Uh, you know, I thought I could get on and it just never seemed to really open up for me again at the college level, which seems strange because I'd had really some good times and good relationships Mm -hmm. and uh, really out of left field, uh, some friends, some mutual friends, Rick Jones and some things. uh, I had an opportunity to go to Fayetteville High School as their head coach and they were in some turmoil and it was a late deal. It was a June hiring and yeah, I just, there was nothing about it that made sense other than um, Angie and I just kind of felt like the Lord was nudging us that way. And we went over, and it was just a great year. I, we we bought a house. We're going to go stay for five years and, you know, build a retirement in Arkansas. You know, we have all these plans right. that you're going to do. And it out of left field again – uh, Zach Duffield and Dr. Ogilvie at Owasso say, well, why don't you come back to, to Tulsa? And I'm like, I don't know if I want to come back to Tulsa, but, man, I miss those grandkids. <laughs> and they gave me a chance to come to Owasso. And um, once I came over and visited, I was like, man, that's what I need to do. <laughs> so I got in trouble with my wife because now we got to sell a house that right. we just bought. Uh, and so, you got to buy another one. Well, we actually kept our well, – we've got the same house down in South Tulsa okay. that we've had for 20 years. I've and, been to that house. It's yes, a nice house. Well, we're very blessed. And so thankfully we had kept that. And, uh, you know, there's just been so much, I would call it, healing uh, it's kind of hard to imagine. You still, if you stop and think about it, you get your old feelings hurt that, you know, they didn't keep me, you know, I had, a, you know, I had kids, you know, I can give you all the things that you think. And then you go, well, would you trade getting to be at Memphis when we beat Ole Miss at, at you know, being in the press box for that? Would you trade, you know, three state championships in the last four years, would you? And, and it's not about the trophies, but, I mean, which of those kids, those teams that I've gotten to coach now, would I like to say, well, I'd rather still be the head coach at Tulsa than to get to do all that stuff. Right. And I think God just finds a way to move us when he needs to. Uh, sometimes we like it and sometimes we don't like it. So i got to ask you this question. Yep. Philip Montgomery over the last three years has mm-hmm. won two games, three games, and four yeah. games, and he still has a job. Yeah, you went eleven and three, but then went three and nine, two and ten, and you were out. Yeah, does that? How does that sit with you when you? I would have been and mad. How do you deal with it? I would have been mad if they fired him. I will tell you that. I th- I want there to be. You know, my ego says I want somebody, you know, I want you to realize that we actually were doing, you know, pretty good for whatever. Mm -hmm. But I thought if it was unfair for me to have not gotten that other year, I didn't want him to not get it. Uh, Phil Montgomery didn't fire me, you know, and it's a there's a natural rivalry, I guess, you know, because. To me, it was like he's getting to raise my kids. It's almost like, you know, we went through a divorce and I don't get to go back Thanksgiving now to to eat at the at the dinner table. Right. Um, That's kind of what it felt like with me and T.U. But I think I'm getting past that a little more, um, you know, and I certainly want Coach Montgomery and his staff to be successful. I, I am an alum and I want them to do well. I want them to be um, to make our city proud. 
Well, I, I hope what people listening to this podcast will see through this conversation, and this is what this is this is what I would highlight if this was a book, is that through all the things that you've done, um, I think the real encouragement, honestly, Bill, is for people to to start a relationship with the Lord mm. as early as possible. Yeah. I didn't do that. It was right. well into my adult years before I really realized it's about that relationship with me mm-hmm. and God and me doing the things to please him mm-hmm. and then everything else will fall into place behind it. And I see that you made that commitment for that relationship a long time ago and it has really served you well. And uh, I hope that that's what people can also see in this. Not only mm-hmm. you know what you did through the cancer and through getting fired, uh, as well, but just the idea that this is what it really um, should be, and that is to develop that relationship early. Well, I think that um, that I, I don't know what I'm trying to say to you, Kevin. I hope that that's what comes across. Um, you know, I, I think that it's been a growing experience that each of us go through, you know, in our journey. Um, Golly, what I hope is that somehow in my way of of carrying on through life that somehow I can reflect the love that I've been blessed with and given from from Christ. And I think I do such a poor job a lot of times that you know, you just try to make up for it when you get a chance like this and I just I literally lay in bed at night and I'm think I I just like how God did you give me such favor and blessing all the great things that I've been able to be a part of that I you know haven't and I realize not all of it's been like that but I think if we choose to focus on um you know the things that that we can be thankful for Mm-hmm. It probably makes our our attitude and our focus and all that in life a whole lot easier to deal with. So uh, that's my that's what I strive to do at least. I'll put it that way. Well, Bill, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Mm-hmm. It means so much to me, and it will mean a lot to the people who listen to this. And God bless you, Bill Blank. Well, thank you, Kevin. And I think uh, what you're doing with the podcast is just what we're talking about using your platform to somehow reflect some some uh, the great things that God's done for us and uh, tell more people about it. So good job, and thank you for the compliment. Thank you.